0: All right. Well, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries venturing into Leviticus chapter eight today. Uh, chapter seven was a, a good message for what's been going on right now. See, we've been going through a, a new part of history in 2020, and we've been dealing with something that's called the coronavirus at this time, where people are having to be uh, quarantined into their houses as much as possible. Thousands of people are losing their lives to this um, to this virus, and. And it's been uh, quite an amazing journey through Leviticus because, again, th- this book has a lot to do with things that were preventative, preventative measures for the people of Israel during this time. God was giving preventative measures to them to uh, to keep themselves from sin, to keep themselves from viruses and dangers and many other things that we have really forgotten about as of today. And, and so we, we just kind of want to take this time again to reflect that uh, this this very avoided book that we're in which is Leviticus as i say it's avoided because again a lot of things here were kind of like oh this doesn't interest me much i don't have to do these things anymore and and uh, so we we kind of avoid the book in a, in a whole and but again when god's when god's word is being said on something uh, we don't want to ignore anything because there was something involved and there's something that was chain linking into our day and age today so we are venturing into chapter 8, which is a good chapter because now it is now it is kind of venturing into the consecration of the priesthood, if you will. Now, granted, different from how we do it today, but similar to an aspect, similar into the form of holiness, similar into the aspect of how things are done in, in the forms of ser- our service to God. You know, the meaning is still the same and and things are still the same in in, in the quality of our leadership and the quality of our relationship and the in the quality of how we walk. And so we want to go ahead and we're going to take a look at this interesting chapter and and see what we can find out about what God was saying here and and though there were some differences we're going to see the things of today too that kind of pertain to us as well because again it's about sacrifice. Maybe not in a literal sense of the animal, but the sacrifice of things in our lives that we have to sacrifice. And, and then we have to also have consecration. And, and we, are we consecrated to, to uh, certain things of the Lord? So let's go ahead and take a look here at chapter 8 as we are going to be venturing into this. And uh, let's see, we're going to start off in verses 1 through 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him in the garments of the anointing oil, a bull as a sin offering, two rams and a basket of unleavened bread and gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So Moses did as as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is what the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And he put the tunic on him, girded him with the sash, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him. And he girded him with the intracity woven band of the ephod and with it tied the ephod on him and then he put up on the breastplate on him and he put the iram on and, and the Thummim and the breastplate and he put the turban on his head also the turban on his front he put the golden plate the holy crown as the Lord had commanded Moses a lot of this stuff was mentioned in um, in the end, of, uh, the end of Exodus God was uh, commanding Moses on de- the development of the priesthood so why the priesthood, right, is the question. Well, the priesthood was developed to, to help maintain, right? Aaron and his sons were to be cleansed and they were to be set apart first. And so all the men who were from the tribe of Levi, they were dedicated to the service. And it just so happened, that's what the uh, what Aaron and and Moses and Aaron's sons were a part of. And they, they alone, they had the honor, they had the responsibility to perform the sacrifices. But the priests themselves had to dedicate themselves. They had to be cleansed as well, because just because they were priests didn't mean they were perfect. You know, we don't think of priests as perfection. But uh, think of priests as, as consecration or separation, if you will. And that's what holiness is about. And so that's what it came down to. I think it was in Exodus 29, is where a lot of this was uh, records the, um, the the ceremonial things that were to be done in the priesthood. So you know, God gives the specific uh, list, if you will, in the needs for the consecration, and, and there was to the be witnesses for the ceremony. And so this was all of God's plan. This was his plan because there were priests that were needed in Israel. Somebody had to be set aside. Because the, the, the Israelites were instructed to be a kingdom of priests. And ideally they would be a holy and related na- nation to God. And so the priests, they had, they had a, a task ahead of them. right? The, the priest of the house, uh, they, they made the, the sacrifices for their family. And when we look back, when the Israelites, when they left Egypt, and the descendants of Aaron were chosen to serve as the priest for the nation, the priests they stood in the gap between God and man at the time, because they were the full-time spiritual leaders, and that's what God was calling upon them. They were they were to be the full-time spiritual leaders, but with that, they had to be identified with particular clothing as well, and uh, these the the, the the turban and the thumim and stuff, and the, these were all. Uh, basic garments and, and particular things that they would wear you know in, in particular religions if you will there are there are priests and leaders that, that wear certain garments to make known of who they are in, in their in their particular um, in their position and, and so that's what they did They they were given a particular type of clothing if you will and so uh, but the, they were basically clothed to be clothed in righteousness more than anything, right? They were to be clothed in righteousness, just because somebody's clothed in a uh, in a priest collar doesn't make them necessarily holy. But what's holy is within the heart, and and so that's what God's looking for: is, is there holiness within the heart? Is there is there uh, is there humble? Is, is there humbleness in the in the mind and heart of the leaders? And so. We are washed, right? We are all washed by the work of the Lord. We are washed by the blood of Christ. But in this time, they, there had to be a cleansing. There had to be a cleansing that was involved in front of the tabernacle, in front of the holy place before the entering and so on and so forth. And it was good. It, it was a ceremonial thing. And so, because you did not want to walk in there with with state, with blood-stained hands and and. That's what we do when we basically we present our hands to God. Do we, do we present our hands to God in worship with blood stain or do we present our hands to God with clean hands, if you will? Knowing that there isn't blood stain on them. Because the sacrifice, the sacrifice was done, and now the cleansing and the consecration was done, and now it was time to carry on. So now the, now the, uh, the, the humbling matter comes into play. So now let's take a look. Here, as we uh, we went through um, one through nine, let's take a look at uh, ten through thirteen real quick. And also Moses took the anointing oil and, and anointed the uh, the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. And he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and the and the utensils and the laver and the base to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. And then Moses brought Aaron's sons to put tunics on them, gird them with sashes, and put hats on them, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And so, the oil, again, was commanded during this time. The the oil was always a representation of, of what we see as the Holy Spirit, and during these times, what they would do um, is they would take this flask and, and they would literally pour the oil over somebody's head completely, uh, drenching them in the oil as the oil would pour down them. You know, we do things a little differently. Uh, I've anointed some people with oil before and we anoint their head, but we didn't take a, a satch and, and, uh, and pour it over somebody. But that's how they did it back in the day. They they were covered, completely covered, right? Until it wasn't sprinkled so much, but it was it was literally poured. And it was given in this great measure, right? Because the, the oil meant setting apart again. Which is also in the part of consecration. Set apart for God's service. Now, the oil was always, uh, it was always given to those in, in leadership. Later on, kings would be anointed in oil. But we don't have kings during this time of what we're reading. But the kings were anointed with oil. The priests were anointed with oil. Anybody who was in service to God in the form of leadership was anointed in this form with oil. And, and so, but there's no statement. We don't know exactly um, how the at the time you know where the uh, during this time the Holy Spirit wasn't really something very well known. Um, the oil during this time was used to normally just kind of keep the lamps lit and so on and so forth. But God had commanded. God had commanded using the oil and and using the particular things that needed to be done. And so that—that's what he did. Is he, he used those things, and uh, and that's how it was done to consecrate. Because again, Aaron, Aaron, and the high priest, right? They had their special duties, and he, only he alone could enter in the most holy place of that tabernacle once a year for the atonement of the sins of the nation. And so, therefore, he was the one in charge of all the other priests. He had one high priest, if you will, and, and he was the one who was basically uh, set aside to go in there and to make the atonement. But he himself had to make provisions before going into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was the in the very back of the tabernacle. There was a, a large curtain that was separating okay, where, where nobody could go in there. Only the high priest once a year could go in there, but before he even did that, he had to make sure that he was cleansed of all things before doing so. If not, he'd be putting himself in danger going in there with blood on his hands, if you will, but if it except it would be on more in the form of his heart. And so we need to remember that, that the fact that the Holy of Holies was there, and that's what this was regarding. There had to be a cleansing ceremony for the priest as well, because again, the priests were not perfect. Now, 14 to 17, it says, now, and he brought the bull for the sin offering, and then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering, and Moses killed it. And then he took the blood and put some of the, on the horns of the altar, all around his finger and, and uh, purified the altar, and he poured the blood at the base of the altar, and he consecrated it to make atonement for it. Then he took all the fat that was on the entrails, the fatty lobe, and and, uh, attached to the liver, and the two kidneys with their fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. But the bull, its hide, its flesh, and its offal, he burned with fire outside of the camp, as the Lord had commanded Moses. So again, as I mentioned before, during previous chapters, any time they would lay their hands on the head of the bull, they would... um, they were doing that as a as symbolic cleansing of transferring the sin, if you will, into the bull as, an, as a form of a ritual or in the form of a ceremony. And I mentioned also in the past that just, by, not just by placing their hands on, it, they, they literally pressing their hands on it because they, the Hebrew word means to press. You know, in the word that they were, um, the word that was being used here was literally to press their hands upon the head of the bull. And so that was the way of consecration for them, right? And then he took the blood, and he, and he put it on the horns, it said. And because the, the altar, that was the, um, the altar was the important object that was used, where the sacrifices were done. And, and, and what it is, is the, the word for altar is technically like that of a, um, a killing place, okay? We look at the, we look at the cross, Right when we look at the cross, and I think I mentioned this before, the cross is a, uh, in Latin means a torture device, and that's what it was. So when Jesus died on the cross, that was like the altar that was used as the perfect sacrifice. But in this case, we had the sacrifice being done in that of an altar, and and so that's what we had over here was the the, the altar was the place of death. It was the place of consecration. It, it was the place where covenants were made. It, it was a special place between someone and, and, and God, where, where things, were, you know, where worship was also pertained. And and so I think, if I remember correctly, even Abraham during the time uh, of Abraham, he even uh, built some as a sign that God and I were here. When he built an off, uh, an altar, he he was making it known that that myself and God were here together, because that's where even Abraham had done his thing in in order to um to present his worship to God so everyone right everyone could be consecrated but it, there had to be a sacrifice and what do we sacrifice right in in, in our lives do we do we sacrifice things that we don't uh that, that don't please God you know we we basically we don't want to sacrifice too many things because we want to hold on to things we like the things that we do, <laughs> and, and we don't like to change, right? Well, I, I've said before, and, and many have as well, that God does love us the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. And, and so we fail at times. We fail to give our best to God. And now that we don't have to use an animal for a sacrifice, God has always said, I prefer obedience over sacrifice. Because, again, sacrifice was due to the fall of of what we did. We had to sacrifice something because of what we we did. But when we're obedient, there is no need for a sacrifice. There is no need for that. And, And so... If anything, if we could sacrifice more things about ourselves and our lives, now, and I'm speaking in today's terms, if we could sacrifice more things that are not pleasing to God by sacrificing those things, by just not doing them anymore, by by repenting, by asking for forgiveness, now we're pleasing to God. Now that right now is like the aroma. It's like a new aroma without having to kill a bull, without having to kill a ram. And throwing it on the fire is an aroma. God still looks at that as the aroma from the heart. No longer do you have to throw that bull on a live fire. Because he knows the aroma of your heart and your soul and your mind. Because that is what's pleasing to him. And the fact that your obedience is also pleasing to him. There is no need for a sacrifice. We only sacrifice because we fall. So, and I think that's a good message. Sacrifice, you know, a good title to something. We sacrifice because we fall. And Christ was sacrificed because we fell. And and so when we look at that, when when we look at his sacrifice, you know, are we thankful for that? Are we willing to sacrifice certain things because of what he did? So God help us to do so, right? That we would that we would be more uh more reverent to him. Um, more concerned to what he wants and what he th- what he likes versus what we like and what we think, because he's only wanting the best. See this right here again. Even though it was very messy and it was very tedious, God gave this to the to the people of Israel because He wanted the best for them, and the best for them was was atonement was a way to come back to God. So this was a very heavy way of doing it, but it was his way of saying, I want the best for you, and I'm giving you an option. Let's continue. And uh, let's see here. Let's do 18 to 21 real quick. And it says, "And, And then he brought the ram as the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. And Moses killed it, and then he sprinkled the blood all around the altar. And he cut the ram into pieces, and Moses burned the head of the pieces of the fat. And then he washed the entrails and the legs in water, and Moses burned the whole ram on the altar. It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. This was particularly, and just real quick, was a, a an offering and a sacrifice that was relating strictly to the priest, if you will. The priest had to do their own thing as well. And the ram or the bull, whatever the case may be, was a big item, and uh, because of the big position, there was a large sacrifice. Well, what is that old saying? Uh, to much responsibility, uh, you know, to much is given, or something like that. If I, I might have uh, butchered that a little bit, but they, the same goes in the spiritual sense. Too much responsibility that's given, you know, and, and, and that's what it was because the priest had to had to do it as well. They were not exempt from having to sacrifice, but they had to do their thing on something larger because there was a commitment to the Lord. You know, the, you, had, you had the cleansing part, there was the anointing part, there was the atonement part. And, and so the, those are the things that he was looking for before we can really present ourselves to God in, in the form of the leadership, and so that's what he was looking for in those particular um, aspects. And that was again back then, but it's still, this, there's a new type, of, there's another type of sacrifice that we must do. Uh, let's do 22 to 29. And he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration, and then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. And Moses killed it, and he also took it, some of its blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, on the on the big toe, and on his right foot. And then he uh, brought Aaron's sons, and, and Moses put some of the blood on the tips of their right ears and on the thumbs of their right hand and on the uh, big toes of their right feet. And, and Moses sprinkled the blood all around the altar. And then he took the fat and the fat tail with the, uh, the fat t- that was on the entrails and the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys and their fat in the right of the thigh. And from the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened cake, a cake of bread anointed with oil and one wafer, and put them on the fat and on the, other thigh, on the right thigh. And he put all these in Aaron's hands and on his son's hands and waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. And then Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar on the burnt offerings. They were consecrated offerings for a sweet aroma. And that was an offering made by fire to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' part of the ram of consecration as the Lord had commanded Moses. So, we had the this, this second ram, which was that part of the consecration. And it was performed, it was performed during the burnt offering. And of course, the, if there there was no sacrifice, there was no forgiveness of anything unless there was the shedding of blood. That was the the hard part because again, the uh, the horrific sacrifice was due to, to sin being horrific in God's eyes. And it, it, what's interesting here was they they would put a little bit of the blood on the right parts of the body, the right ear, the right thumb, the right toe, and, and um because again, the right the right side. Was considered the the, uh, the the superior side, right? If uh, of of strength, the the superior side, to skill, and and that's what basically what he used it for. Uh, what the whole concept of using the right um, the right part of one's body. See, most people are right-handed, and there's some people that are left-handed. But if you're right-handed, typically you're going to be slightly stronger in your right hand, and, and that was the the meaning of the whole thing. It was a it was a form of superior, It was a, a form of strength. You know, we hear the term "this is my right hand man" or "my right hand woman," whatever the case may be. This is what it was in the in the in the eyes of God on why this was to be done on the right side of all things. And, and so he took it, and then he takes the fat and in the, in the, in the entrails and stuff like that. When I mentioned last, I think it was last week, in the form of the wave offering. And so they would uh, put it together, you know, like the, with bread and cake and the wafers and so on and so forth. And then these portions they were burnt on the uh, on the altar as a, as an act of, of of a complete devotion to God. And so they, they were. It was called a wave offering because it was waved, you know, like waved off. Their sin was waved away. <laughs> in The way they would perform it and why it was called a wave. And they, you also, we also heard a heave offering to where they would heave it up in in, in the form of lifting. So they would heave it up in, the, in, in lifting it up to God. So these particular offerings had meaning to them. And so we're seeing these and how they were done because again, this was what God created. This was what God instructed because there was a particular meaning, that, a meaning to this that had to be performed. And, and so this was important to God and therefore it, should have, it was important to the people to perform it in, in the way that God had said. And so now we're going to be looking at, let's see, let's do 30 to to the end here, to 36. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and on his garments and his sons and on the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated Aaron, his garments, his sons, and the garments of, of his sons with him. And Moses said to Aaron and his sons boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and eat it there with the bread that is in the basket of consecration offerings as a um, offerings as I commanded saying Aaron and his sons shall eat it what remains of the flesh and of the bread you shall burn with the fire and you shall not go outside of the door of the tabernacle of meeting for 7 days until the days of your consecration is ended for 7 days he shall consecrate you and he has done this uh, day, so the Lord has commanded to do to make atonement for you. Therefore, you shall stay at the door of the tabernacle of meeting day and night for seven days, and keep the charge of the Lord, so that you may not die. For for so I have been commanded. So Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. So that's interesting that how it was done by the uh, by the hand of Moses. Um, but Moses would take some of that anointing oil. And some of the blood, which was on the altar, because I get it would look like as the blood wasn't enough. There had to be a mix here of the oil, the, the anointing oil, a combination. And and so basically, the mixture of that would have would be the blood-stained garments on Aaron and his sons, and that would be the reminder of the ceremony in their consecration. You know, we like to call our. um Are battle wounds, if you will, you know. Um, Some people have kept their uh, certain things that were stained in battle. But this was stained in consecration. So this was a reminder of who they were and what they were, and what they were doing. And and so that is what it's about. So in why we see Leviticus as an important book, I think in, in one thing that many people did not see of why Leviticus was an important book was simply because of the last thing that was said here in this chapter, that Aaron and his sons did everything that the Lord had commanded, and, and that right there was the the remarkable feature here of this whole thing. They they knew what God wanted, you know. They they knew how He wanted it done, and and and, and with the attitude of how it was carried out. Right. That that's what that's what it was, and, and so. God wanted the fellowship with them, and this is how it was done. And with the upcoming, there was generations to be coming. There was you're going to be new descendants that Aaron would would have in his family of that Levitical priesthood that would qualify for the priesthood. But they had to qualify through obedience. And so the the Lord, you know, the Lord's part was it was like a, a consuming with the fire upon the altar. They just had to be there in order to to put the sacrifice on that consuming fire. But he said that you know that you shall abide at the door of the tabernacle, and you know it was done in seven days. We know that the uh, the, the number seven was a number of completion, a number of uh, of perfection, and so they had to do this for seven days, and, and again. The book of Leviticus was based on that of, 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 of holiness, of that of, of sacrifice, of that of instruction, and that of, of obedience and, and consecration. It was a very important book. And, and though, I, like I said, though we don't practice these things, there is a major lesson for us to learn. A major lesson of, of learning about uh, obedience, about learning, you know, th- how, how to walk with God and, and how to stay walking with God that's what it's about. And so I think we should take a little more interest in the book of Leviticus so that way we can see, you know, um, you know what what obedience looks like, what what passion looks like. And 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 take it into our lives as well because we could learn a lot from this. So these ways may not be done anymore, but the ways of passion, the ways of sacrifice, and the ways of, of, of worship and, and loving God is something that we share with them during these ancient times. The, do, we ha- do we have the same reverence? And I think that, that at times we have basically uh, become fairly laxed, and, and myself including, we, we become very, um, very laxed with the times and so on and so forth. But when you look intently into this book, when you look intently into the ways of how things were done, and you see the way that how, of how God reacted to them, how, how should we not want that as well is the question. And so let us take that time to do one thing that was very important that God said to us in the New Testament. That of receiving and listening to his son Christ Jesus who died on the cross as the one sacrifice once and for all. So we need to we need to remember that that's what it was about. Are we going to be receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior? Do we believe that He died on the cross on that on that wicked that wicked altar that the Romans used to, to to torture and kill criminals, where Christ had gone on Himself as a sacrifice for our sins, that we might have a place in heaven? So do we believe that, and do we receive that? You know, we like to say amen to a lot of things. I receive that. Well, do, you, do we receive Him is the question. If you want to receive Him, if you want to go to heaven, the Bible says that you must be born again and being born again of the Spirit by receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you could do that simply by a prayer of receiving Him into your heart as your Lord, your Father, your Savior. And I want to, I want to give that option to you and that, that availability right now. It's never about one's ability, it's about one's availability. Are you available for the Lord? Because He's always available for you. Well, now you can be available right now by saying, yes, I want to receive the Lord, Christ Jesus, as my Lord and Savior, and I want want Him to live in my heart, and I want to be with Him. So if you're ready for that, let's go ahead and take this time and say this prayer together, if you want to repeat after me. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins, Lord, as I confess to you that I am a sinner. I ask of you, Lord, to cleanse me of all of my sins. And Lord, that you would receive me, Lord, and as I receive you into my heart, that you would receive me when my time comes. For Lord, I, I worship you and I love you and I thank you for dying on the cross. I receive you now as my Lord, my Savior, and my Father. And I thank you, Father, and I praise you, and I love you. And again, I am yours now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, that's always the best, right? We always say to leave the best for last. And, and receiving the Lord is, is the icing on the cake and then some, because that is your ticket into eternity. What we're reading here is, is basically the, we're the stepping stones to that. The stepping stones to atonement. The stepping stones to getting back into that relationship with God. Well, he created that new way of of having that place with him by receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. The one and only sacrifice, the once and for all that he put on the cross for our behalf. So remember that, and continue to learn the word of God. Continue to walk with God, and, and may we continue to be growing together as you seek him. So again, it's my honor and my privilege to be a part of that with you. And may you continue to pray for me in the continual work and what God has called. So I'm praying for all of you. Much love to you and your families. God bless you.